Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Good morning, Celebrate. My name is Michelle O'Connor, and this is my amazing husband, Ryan. It's such an honor to be up here today, and whew, Ryan, my goal is to not, not pee my pants. Yes, that's, that's a really, that Michelle, that's a really good goal to have here. <laughs> but hey, before we get started, I just want to share with you how this came about. See, when Pastor Keith asked us to do this, the very first thing that my beautiful bride says is, Ryan, this is going to be great because you're so smart and I'm so fun. <laughs> so I know what you're thinking. This guy is going to be pretty boring. Stick in the mud here, and Michelle's going to be so much fun, right? But let me tell you what I heard from this statement. See, I heard, Ryan, you're so smart, period. No ends, no buts, just that. So I'm going to hold on to that one for, for a later point. You do that, my love. So like, like we said, um, we have been coming to celebrate for quite a while. We are celebrators just like you guys. I started coming in 2008 at the recommendation of a counselor, actually. So there's that. And then we started dating in 2010, and Ryan started coming to celebrate with me, and we got married in 2011. This is a picture of our sweet family. We have two amazing children. Oh, I think there's a picture coming. There we are. Um, Ella and Thomas, and um, we are just so incredibly grateful to Pastor Keith and his wife Kay for planting Celebrate and for their obedience to the calling because I can honestly say that um, we were, I was in such a dark spot when I started coming to Celebrate and this place has truly changed my life and it went on to change Ryan's life and now the lives of our children. So we're just so grateful for this incredible community and for Pastor Keith and his calling. So we are going to be talking about work today, like Pastor Keith said, and we have day jobs just like you guys do. I work in the health and wellness industry, and Ryan works in financial investments, and uh, we're super excited to dig into this topic. So we will be in the Bible in the book of Ephesians today, reading through that. If you want to open your Bible, turn that to Ephesians chapter 4, or get your app ready, we will be starting in chapter 4. Awesome. So how many of you have ever received a gift that when you received it, you didn't really appreciate it, but later you did, right? So let's, uh, let, let's just give you an example here. Let's say the year is 1980. Some of you were alive. That's good. <laughs> it's your eighth birthday, and let's say somebody gives you 50 shares of Apple stock, right? At the time, you'd probably think, well, this is lame. I would have preferred a bike, or for me, it was... He-Man or G.I. Joe. What about you, Michelle? Cabbage Patch doll, all the way. Cabbage Patch. Yeah, that's right. Well, let's go back to that Apple stock. Do you know how much that would be worth today? How much? Almost $400,000. That's a lot of Cabbage Patch dolls. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> you see, some gifts that we're given appreciate over time. And today, we're going to be talking about one of God's greatest gifts that he gives and that's the gift of work. I know some of you maybe don't agree with that. 
But here's the thing, it, it truly is one of his best gifts. And that's why we're going to talk about it today. You see, because we spend approximately 40% of our lives at work. That equates to about 150,000 hours. That's a lot of time, Ryan. Over the course of a lifetime. We actually did a couple of surveys to see, because we spend so much time at work, we did some surveys to see, do people love their jobs or hate their jobs? Let's see what they say. Survey says... Okay, survey says one-third of all people say, I hate my job. Wow. And new, nearly two-thirds of people say, I'm in the wrong job. Sheesh. Ryan, I really hope those are two separate surveys, <laughs> right? A third of the people say, hey, my job, and two-thirds are saying I'm in the wrong job. Let's hope they're separate. Facts. Right. <laughs> See, look up here. God is deeply interested in your work. Work is a part of God's will for your life. It's part of your calling. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no such thing as just a job. See, while we're here on earth, God cares deeply about where you work, how you work, and what type of person you are at work. Do people know you're a follower of Christ? Will they see that in how you work? So repeat after me. My work, My work is a gift. So here's some things to understand about your work. You can write these down. The first one, my work is my ministry. Let's say that together. My work is my ministry. Your work is a place to develop and use the talents that God has given you. See, for the longest time, I thought this word calling was only for church people. Right? Like, God called Pastor Keith, and we're so grateful for that. Or God called Chris to, to worship. But God may be calling you to be an accountant. God may be calling you to be a teacher. God may be calling you to be a doctor. It's that place that you can use those talents that God has given you. So the second thing to look at here is my work is my worship. Let's say that one together. My work is my worship. I'm not talking about sitting in your office and singing. If you want to do that, that's awesome. I know my coworkers probably wouldn't appreciate that. But it's a place that you can honor God by giving him your best. So anytime we give our best and honor and praise God, that's worship. So number three here, my work is my mission. Let's say that together. My work is my mission. See, your work is a place that you can tell and show others about God's love. Right? God has given us a mission to go and seek and save the lost and to make disciples. Well, where can we do that? Our work. I can tell you, I can think of no other place that I get to interact with more people than my work. The last one here, my work helps grow my maturity. Let's say that together. My work is my place to grow in maturity. Okay, our job is a place that we can grow in Christ, that we can become more like Christ. And anytime we grow, that's called maturity. Let's look at Romans 8, 29. 
It says, from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become like his son. See, the fact is nothing matters more than this. That we become like Christ. So let's turn, if you have your Bibles open, I think we had them open to Ephesians 4. Let's look at verse 13. It says, real maturity is that measure of development which is meant by the fullness of Christ. You see, fullness of Christ equals real maturity. So with this being our focus, how in the world does God actually use our work to help us become more like Jesus? Today we're going to give you three ways, three ways that God uses your work to help you become more like Jesus. And the first way is this. God uses pressure at work to teach me responsibility. God uses pressure at work to teach me responsibility. Will you repeat this with me? God uses pressure at work to teach me responsibility. Every job has its own pressures and stresses, right? But if we allow this, if we allow it, it can actually grow us. And how many of you would admit that we just have to do things at work that we don't want to, right? How many of you would admit that you've done something, had to do something that you really didn't want to do at work, right? Like maybe you just didn't feel equipped to do it, you didn't feel confident, you didn't feel like it just was something you were excited about, but you did it anyways because people were counting on you, because the results really mattered, and because you gave your word. You said you would, right? That's called being responsible. Okay, in Ephesians, let's turn to the next chapter. We're going to be in chapter 5 now. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. I'll give you a second. Ephesians 5, 15 says, Live life then with a due sense of responsibility. The more that we understand that God has a purpose for our life, the more responsible we have to become. Work really is a school of responsibility. We learn how to become responsible there. And you might say, we need more responsible people at work, right? Maybe some of you would say, yep, I really wish my coworkers were here right now. But no, 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 let's focus on us. We're going to be the change, right? And we're going to talk about that responsibility. I think that we're seeing a lot of entitlement in the workplace. People are, you know, really concerned about their preferences. I really want to wear this to work. I just like to work, you know, I would like to just work, you know, in the afternoons. Or I would like to take my lunch at this time. Or I just want to work from my bed. Um, but I would just say, let's take this back to the Bible and see what Jesus said. It wasn't about his preferences. It was about his responsibilities, right? In Luke 22, 42, we actually hear Jesus giving a plea to God. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was responsible. He was obedient. He died to his preferences, and he lived to his God-given responsibilities. Here's something. Psychologists say that personal responsibility is actually the key to mental health. And it's also the key to spiritual growth. That's pretty cool. It's also a key to success. We grow by being given responsibility, and that responsibility actually stretches us. So a while back, Ryan, 
you know this, I was accepted into a program with my business, and it was a pretty prestigious program. 500 people were nominated and accepted into this program, and um, I really wanted to do well for a variety of reasons. One of the, the special perks was that the top 20 finishers in the program were going to win a trip for them and their spouse. And Ryan pointed out that since this trip was happening around the time of our anniversary, that it would be really nice if I could finish top 20 so he could come along. So <laughs> yeah. no pressure there. 500 people in the program. Now I'm aiming for the top 20. So, But what I found in this program was my team and I were, were really growing. We were reading more than we'd ever read. We were coming up with new ways to solve obstacles. And we had so much pressure on us that it really forced us to be responsible with all aspects of our life, our time, everything. And that pressure actually created something really beautiful. I want to show you a picture of this. It's a diamond. And I don't know if you know this, but diamonds actually don't come out of the ground pretty like this. They look like an ugly lump of coal. And I love this quote here. It says, a diamond is a chunk of coal that did really well under pressure. You see, diamonds get blasted by tons of cubic pressure, and it refines the diamond. Well, something pretty cool happened out of this program that stretched me so much. That pressure actually really grew me. And I landed in the top 0.01% of the program. And Ryan, as you know, you get to pack your bags. We're going on vacation. <laughs> so <laughs> yay for that. Um, so God can use pressure at work to grow us in responsibility. We're going to give you some practical ways now. So we're still talking about pressure at work. And we're going to give you four subpoints here for that pressure. All right, so the first one is that we can grow in our responsibility is by keeping your promise. Okay, let your yes be yes and not your BS. Okay, see we become a kind of a, a culture of excuses, right? And some of these just kind of have actually become really funny, all right? So I don't want anybody to write these down because I don't want you to use these tomorrow morning, okay? So the, the first one, sorry, I can't make it into work today. I'm protesting Mondays. <laughs> or, uh, or this one, I can't come into work today. I was abducted by aliens last night. Yeah. <laughs> or, or this one. I, I like this one. I can't come into work today. I woke up in a good, good mood and didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> or, or the last one here. May, maybe some of you can relate to this one. I can't come into work today. The show I've been binge watching just released a new season. See, listen, responsibility is carrying through on what you said, no matter how difficult it is. When you say you'll be there, are you? When you'll say you'll do it, do you? Or when it gets tough, do you make an excuse? See, Psalm 15.4 says that God blesses the one who always does what he promises, no matter how much it may cost. So let us ask you, is your word good? Are you one that do what you say? So we're going to expand on that last one with promises. Do you do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it? The second point here is by meeting deadlines. By meeting deadlines. We grow in responsibility by meeting deadlines. Proverbs 18.9 says, and read this with me, one who is slack in his work 
is a brother to the one who destroys. Ouch. That word destroy is actually the word sabotage. The Bible says that when we waste our employer's time, we're like a saboteur. The number three way that we can, that we can grow in our responsibilities by working without supervision. If you want to flip over in Ephesians just to the next chapter, chapter 6, verse 6. It says, don't work hard only when your master is watching. See, according to Business Chief Magazine, excluding lunches and scheduled breaks, the average American employee wastes 2.09 hours every eight-hour workday. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. That equates to just over 25% of the workday is wasted. So let's, uh, let's look at some of the common excuses here. 44.7% of time is wasted surfing the internet. 23.4% of the time is wasted socializing with coworkers. I think this one's my favorite. 3.9% of the time is wasted simply spacing out. Oh, and 1.3% of the time is wasted applying for other jobs. Oh, man. So you grow in responsibility by, number one, keeping your promises. Number two, by meeting deadlines. Three, working without supervision. And the fourth way that we can grow in responsibility is by controlling costs. Are you continually five minutes late to work? Or maybe you pad your lunch break, leave a few minutes early, stroll in a few minutes late. Well, Ryan, I actually crunched some numbers. Five minutes a day extra, maybe you're late, take an extra time, whatever. Five minutes a day times five work days a week, times 52 weeks of the year. Do you know how much time that is? How much? A little under 22 hours of your employer's time. Or maybe for you, the supply room is a free-for-all. It's free paper clips and post-it notes, and you're bringing them home, or you're using your office equipment for personal things, you're printing your, your emails at work. You guys, that's stealing. Stealing from your employer and the Bible actually says in Luke 16, 11 through 12, if you're untrustworthy, unreliable about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's money, why should you be entrusted with money of your own? So repeat this after me. My work is a gift. My work is a gift. And why is it a gift? Because Pressure at work teaches me responsibility. That's right. So the second way that as we grow more Christ-like, as we grow in our maturity in our workplaces, God uses problems at work to teach me character. Never thought about that? That work can really teach us character? That problems at work, we can actually apply those to our lives? See, as I was reading through this message, I just, I kept thinking about David and Goliath, right? And it just, this just kept replaying in my mind over and over again. See, it was David's problems at work that prepared him to face his giant. See, the Bible says that, that a bear and a lion had stolen his sheep. If your job is to watch after sheep, I'd say that's a problem, 
right? But see, when David came to face his giant, he was prepared, and the problems had prepared him. So what giants do you have in your life that you need to face? Okay, maybe you can start looking somewhere you never thought to look before, and maybe that's in your workplace. See, maybe you had a difficult conversation with a client, with a customer, okay, with a coworker, with a boss. Hey, maybe that's preparing you for a difficult conversation that you need to have with your spouse, with a friend, or a difficult faith conversation that you know that you need to have. Right? Or the hot topic of the day right now, okay? Supply chain. Everything is late. Everything is delayed. It's super annoying. I can no longer get my stuff the next day. Okay? Maybe God is teaching a lesson in patience right now. Okay? That you can apply to your marriage, to your kids, to, to life. Okay? Or maybe you're in the healthcare field. And these last two years have been pretty rough. Okay, first off, thank you. Okay, but maybe God is teaching you a lesson in compassion that you can use to spread God's love throughout the world. See, folks, every job has stress. Raise your hand if you've ever worked at a job that you didn't have a problem or stress. (laughs) Nobody. And if you did, if somebody raised their hand, it probably was your first day. Wait till day two, okay? Every work has stress. Every work has problems. Did you know that statistically most heart attacks happen on Mondays? Right? We see these problems as just problems, as nothing else, and it weighs on us. Or maybe for you, maybe for you, it's this... uh, Sunday afternoon, right? Sunday morning is great. You're having a great time. You're here at church, okay? But by Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, you start to get that feeling in your stomach, right? You start to get this anxiousness that comes over you. You know there's a word for this? It's called the Sunday scaries. It's a real thing, right? People just see these problems and they mount up. But maybe in this moment, God is teaching you something. God is preparing you for something. Folks, there's no, there's no problem-free jobs. They aren't there. Just for fun here, I looked up some of the worst jobs in the country. Okay? Let, let's go through some of these. Just, just to give you perspective. Let's okay? All right. How about this one? Septic tank repair. Michelle, that job really stinks. (laughs) All right, how about this one? Roadkill collector. Yeah, I suppose someone has to do that. Yeah. Squirrel you ran over last week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or, Or this one, pet food tester. Wait, what? Did they really, like a person test the dog food? Yeah, Michelle, Fluffy's not gonna tell you that their food tastes like salmon. <laughs> All right, how about this one? How about this one? Mosquito researcher. What do they do? There are literally people that get 
bit by mosquitoes over and over and over again, Ouch. and then tested. Ouch. Yeah. You know what these people are called? South Dakotans. <laughs> All right, the, the last one here. The last one. Elephant examiners. So like, wait, so like a vet? Yeah, like a vet. See, these people examine elephants, and obviously they're very big creatures. They examine them outside, but also inside. And judging by the picture that I saw, there was a grown man from the waist up in the back end of an elephant. Oh, no. Nope. Yeah. I'll pass on that. So Roman, Romans 5, 3 through 4 says this. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us, that they help us learn to be patient, and patience develops strength of character. Can you circle strength of character or highlight it? See, the fact is God is far more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. God is far more interested in perfecting you than he is in pampering you. See, whenever we have a problem at work, we need to stop asking why, but rather what. What is God teaching me? What does God want me to learn? What is God preparing me for? See, 1 Corinthians 3.13 says this. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So remember this simple truth. While I'm working on the job, God is working in me. While I'm working on the job, God is working in me. That's so good. The third way that God uses my work to help me become more like Jesus is that God uses people at work to teach me how to really love. God uses people at work to teach me how to really love. That's so huge because life is all about learning how to love. Work is a classroom for learning how to love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, you can see on the screen, says, do all your work in love. Think about that. Whether you're an accountant, a cement layer, a lift driver, social media influencer, whatever you're doing, barista, you can work in love. You can show people love in your job every single day. Think about all the ways that God uses our work to teach us how to love. We might pray to be more patient. What is God going to do? He's going to send us people that are going to force us to be more patient. We pray to be more forgiving. God is going to send us people that we will have to forgive. We pray to be more understanding. God is going to send us people that are totally opposite of who we are. What about this? We pray to be stronger in our faith. God is going to send us people that are going to force us to have to rely on him to love them. God is always sending us people. One of the things that I'm working on that I've prayed for is better pace, so God continues to send me people to help slow me down. And a few months ago, I had one of my favorite occurrences of this. I was leaving a meeting. It was a prayer meeting, actually. And I was on my way next to my, to my next business meeting. And I had my bag. I was walking to my car, and I saw a woman walking with her dog. And don't judge me, but I had a thought. Like, head down, power walk to car. You know, like, just, just get to my car, on to my next thing. And 
I, I'm really working on this, and I, love, I do love talking to people. So I said, hey, good morning, great day for a walk. To which she replied, yes, except my dog has diarrhea. Ooh. I didn't see that coming. No. At all. No. But I responded, oh my goodness, let me, can I throw my stuff in my car? I have something that I think can help your dog. Can I just go grab that quick? Just, oh, sure, sure. So I do that. I get her dog, her stuff, and I'm talking to her, and she asks, hey, where are you, where are you coming from? What is this building? And I said, well, actually, I was leaving a prayer meeting. She got really quiet. I looked up at her, and she said, man, I just know God must love me so much. And I said, yeah, he does. And she said, this is not my route. I was cutting through this lot because my dog was sick, but I usually walk an entirely different route. And here I am cutting through, and here you are going out, and then you talk to me, and you're helping me. I just know God must love me so much. And she's choked up, and she's saying this. And I thought to myself, man, Michelle, if you wouldn't have even opened your mouth and said anything, she would have never had this moment of confirmation. She would have never had that moment of God's love, of just being affirmed in her through me. You guys, God is always sending us people. Are you letting him use you to love them? You see, meeting with so many people, I can tell you this. Everybody is going through something, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, whatever that is. In fact, if you're going through something right now, would you just raise your hand? And if your hand's not raised, then I'm guessing you probably have been through something or maybe, or maybe somebody you know is going through something. Thank you. Everyone is going through something, and we can't control how people, how our coworkers, our customers respond to us. We can't control how they act to us. We don't know what they're carrying, what they just went through 10 minutes ago, what they're dealing with, what diagnosis they just got. We can't control that, but we can control how we respond to them. We can control that. We can control how we love them. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another. That includes all of your coworkers. When you do everything in love, it pleases God. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says, We remember before God how you put your faith into practice and how your love makes you work so hard. We are to love everyone. We are to love people that have been demanding. We're, loved, we're to love demanding people. Would you raise your hand if you in your life have ever possibly been demanding? We are to love people who are dishonest. Would you raise your hand if you have ever been dishonest in your life? We are to love people who are disagreeable. Would you raise your hand? Oh, thank you. You were right on that with your hand raised. <laughs> Would you raise your hand if you've been disagreeable ever in your life at work? Yeah. Would you raise your hand if you've been defensive? We're to love defensive people. Yeah, and we've all been defensive. And what about this? We are to love people who are demeaning. Would you raise your hand if you've ever made someone feel worse? You've been demeaning yourself? Let's look at Romans 12, 18. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So let's repeat this again. My work is a gift. Let's say that. My work is a gift. And why? Because God uses people at work to teach us how to really love. So as we wrap this up, let's look at 1 Corinthians 3.13 again. It says, One day the quality of each person's work will be clearly seen when the day Christ inspects it. See, I recently read a book where the author tried to basically run every conversation he had through this lens of Christ. So from the time he woke up to the time he went to bed, how would Jesus talk to this person? How would Jesus talk to your spouse? How would Jesus talk to your coworkers? How would Jesus talk to your kids? This kept replaying in my mind over and over again. What if we did that with work? Okay, if Jesus walked in your store, would you treat him differently? Would you treat him differently than me? Okay, or if tomorrow morning Jesus hopped in your truck, would you drive it differently? Or tomorrow morning Jesus walks in and said, hey, we're going to be office mates today. <laughs> would you work differently? Let's run that through that filter. At the end of the day, would you hear him say, well done. So why has God given us this gift of work? Let's go through the three ways that God helps us to become more like Jesus. The first way is that God uses pressure at work to teach me responsibility. Remember, pressure creates diamonds. We're going to have tough stuff at our jobs, but let God use that pressure to grow you. So the second way is God uses the problems at work to teach me character. See, think of David. Okay, David's character was perfected in the pasture. He never would have been ready for the palace had he not been in the pasture. The third way is that God uses people at work to teach us how to really love. Remember the story of the lady and her dog. God is sending you people, your customers, your coworkers. How are you showing them the love of Jesus? So as tonight comes about, let's not let that feeling settle in our stomach, right? Let's not think, oh my gosh, tomorrow is just another, another day at work. No, it's going to be your ministry. It's going to be your worship. It's going to be your mission. And tomorrow, it can be the place that God grows you to maturity to help you become more like Jesus. Can we say this again, that my work is a gift? Can we say, my work is a gift? Let's do it again. My work is a gift. For some of us, maybe we just need to go to God right now and ask for forgiveness. Because the truth is we haven't seen our work as a gift. We haven't. We've had callous thoughts towards our boss, our coworkers, our customers. We haven't used the pressures to grow us. We haven't been showing love to people. People don't see Christ in us when they look at us at work. We just need to go to God and ask him to forgive us for that and to allow us to, to be the love of Jesus, to be Jesus, like what, what Pastor Tim and what Pastor Keith talked about, to be Jesus at our work. 
Can we go to prayer right now? Father God, we thank you so much for this incredible place. God, we thank you for the anointing on Celebrate, on Pastor Keith and this incredible team, and we thank you to just be a small part of that today. God, we thank you for every person in this room, and God, we just come to you with broken and repentant hearts, and we say that we're sorry. We're sorry because sometimes we've not thought good things about our coworkers, we've not thought good thoughts about our boss, we've not treated our customers as gifts, as, as precious children of you, God, we are not being the example that you want us to be in our workplace, and we're sorry. We're so sorry. God, thank you for breaking our hearts on that, and we come to you in repentance. And God, we just ask that tomorrow we wake up and we have a renewed spirit, a renewed attitude towards our work, towards our ministry, our mission. Help us to truly be your son out in the world. Help us to love people so well. God, we thank you. We love you. And we lift this up in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.